Hey everybody, welcome to episode 69 of Two Views Movies Podcast. What's up everybody, welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, coming to you from Kansas City, Missouri. We are a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we are talking Widows today. Got anything you want to say about Widows? Not yet. Not, not yet. <laughs> Save it for the actual start of the show? Yeah. All right. Well, Widows is set in contemporary Chicago amidst a time of turmoil. Four women with nothing in common except a debt left behind by their dead husband's criminal activities take fate into their own hands and conspire to forge a future on their own terms. Directed by Steve McQueen, who did 12 Years a Slave, Shame, Hunger, and a giant cast. And regardless of, I guess, how the movie shakes out, it's probably the best ensemble cast of the year, for sure. If There are a lot of people in this. Yeah, and it's probably one of the bigger ones I can remember in, in recent memory. It, like it, even in terms of like quality, it's it's a pretty crazy cast they put together. So this giant cast is made of Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Cynthia Erivo, Colin Farrell, Brian Tyree Henry, Daniel Kaluuya, Carrie Coon, Robert Duvall, and John Bernthal. Who John Bernthal is becoming like the new Sean Bean. I feel like he dies uh, really quickly in a lot of movies and things that he's in. The Punisher. Uh, yeah, he is the Punisher. I don't know <laughs> oh, if he yeah. dies quickly in the Punisher. No, I haven't watched that. No, one. but Walking Dead and yeah, yeah. Walking Dead. Uh, well, I think something happens to him in Baby Driver. Maybe I don't know. I can't remember. I just I feel like he's he's not in movies very long. And until right now, I forgot that uh, that was Cynthia Arrivo. Yes, because it's totally For, from not... Hotel Artemis. No. No. You're, you're mixing up your hotels. Wow. <laughs> you're mixing up your bad, 2018. Bad times at the El Royale. Yeah. Yes, which is at a motel. Right. I guess. Yes. Yes. You're mixing up your establishment movies of, of 2018. Boarding establishments. Yes. But no, I, I, I totally forgot about that. that oh, yeah. And there. she's totally not the same character. Yeah. Not even remotely the same, which is pretty cool for her, right? To go from, in a matter of, I know not filming wise, it's not months, but in. Uh, you know, movie watching time. It was a matter of months where she goes from this feminine fifties era singer to sprinter, sprinter and <laughs> she, heavy, heavy bag hitter. She, she's really fast. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was somebody on Twitter and I don't remember who it was that said, uh, she has the best on screen running since mission impossible or, or sorry, since Tom Cruise or, um, they also compared her to like the T 1000. I mean, she, she sprints. I mean, that's a, a dead sprint. Yes. And I thought that they would utilize that in the movie and they really didn't. No, it, and actually the the cool sprint that they see that you see in the trailer is actually just her catching a bus. Her just trying to get, <laughs> get to a bus to, to yeah. get to a babysitting job. Right. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, so it was completely not used effectively, but it's still a yeah, a very very good sprint if we're critiquing sprints on this podcast now. <laughs> Change our <laughs> our intro. <laughs> A so, sprint filled podcast. This is uh I had a lot of a lot of hype going into this one. Um I I think I'm on record as saying I thought it could have gotten up to a four and a half. And I checked Twitter after I saw the movie and you know, film Twitter is blowing up. They they all love the movie. It, people talking about movie of the year, four and a half, five stars. And I was just kind of sitting there like, Yeah, I, I liked it. 
I, I thought it was good, but it, it left a little bit to be desired from from me. Um, I think when we talked, I, I said that I kind of wanted it to be not, I, I didn't expect it to blow me out of the water. I just expected it to be like super tight, really with really strong writing and a really tight narrative with like no loopholes, anything like that. And I feel like I kind of got that, but it didn't quite go over the edge on anything um, to to have me say that it tipped into great territory. And I think part of that is because there's a shit ton of stuff going on in this movie. There's a lot. And I know it's been adapted from a miniseries. It almost felt like it would have been better as a miniseries, which usually when I watch things, I don't usually say that, but it just tried to do so much. This would have been better. Uh, for sure, all the different plot lines that they tried to cover, yeah, uh, in a, a two-hour time frame, yeah, yeah, this this definitely could have benefited from a a, a ten-episode arc, right? So it was part city politics, it was part heist, part some kind of commentary on domestic violence. There's a little bit of capitalism, anti-capitalism stuff going on, um, a little bit of police brutality going on, some class warfare. And then you've domestic got domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know, the relationship between Viola Davis and Liam Neeson is filled with grief and marital strife and all that. So there's it's almost like every character in the in this ensemble cast has sort of a different angle. I mean, I haven't really thought that through, but just kind of thinking about it, you know, Elizabeth Debicki had the domestic violence, Colin Farrell's got the politics. Viola Davis and Liam Neeson have the uh, marital strife. Uh, their son has the police brutality. You know what I mean? Like everybody had a hot button. Everybody had a hot button, yeah. and obviously, I think part of the challenge with an ensemble movie is you want to give all these people their screen time. You want to give them all their due, but then the challenge is how do you make that all come together cohesively? And that's where I felt like the movie, each one of those stories on their own, is fine. They're not bad. They're good, but there's just so much that you can never really sink your teeth into any one. Yeah, they each kind of get lost in the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, they're they're there, and it's like, oh, okay, that that's interesting, but then it takes you right out of it into something else, and then yeah. it, it just kind of leaves it there. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't... Weird. The thing I kept saying, I said it in my review, and I, and I couldn't get, get it out of my head, was like, it, it didn't feel as though the movie stacked its plot elements on top of each other. You know, you, you want it to build up to something, right. and then maybe it gets to a tipping point, and those blocks all fall over. But this one felt like, oh, we're going to go stack two blocks over here on this part of the city, and we're going to go stack two more blocks over here on this. Mm -hmm. So you built like a sprawl instead of building up to anything, because Elizabeth Debicki's domestic violence just really only impacts her. And Colin Farrell's you know, city politics kind of affects Brian Tyree Henry and Daniel Kaluuya. But, but for those two, it's, I mean, there is a little bit of a thread because that's how they all tie back the money that's owed. But it's just, there's little things here and there that attach, but you kind of want it to all come in just one big punch and say, here's everything. Here's how it all comes together. And here's how we're all impacting each other. And that's just, you never get that moment in this movie. Well, the domestic violence piece meant nothing other than that's just who her husband yeah. Or boyfriend was husband. I don't even know if they were married. They didn't clarify. Um, I don't think that's just who he was. And so, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, and they didn't reiterate that, or she never revisited that. Yeah, uh, it was just. Okay, I think she's it in was an abusive relationship, and that's her. 
personality. Yeah, I think it was to show a couple of things. I think each of her mom was that way. Too. Yeah, well, each of the widows were, were kind of like beholden to their husbands while their husbands were still around. You know, their husbands, they were all somewhat helpless. Like Michelle Rodriguez thought she owned her own shop, but she didn't. Her husband had kind of sold everything or got into it with a loan shark and lost her store for her. Elizabeth Debicki was getting beat up. Viola Davis and Liam Neeson didn't have a good relationship as the movie goes on. So they're they're all kind of I don't know how to say it, not like they they relied on their husbands and their husbands weren't very good people. Not only to in general because they're criminals and they're bank robbers, but they weren't good people to them. So I think they tried to give each of the widows a a story that showed like hey, when their husbands were here, they weren't very strong. They these are people who didn't know what to do or were getting beat or were, you know, scared of their husbands and then once the husbands are gone, they they come into their own and can come together to pull off this heist. I think that's what they were going for. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. It's just it but like Michelle Rodriguez, hers wasn't a um dependence. He screwed her over. Right. I mean, I I took it to be that not, you know, some of that money that they used to get the store was theirs, meaning some of it comes from the thievery. Bank. Thievery, yes. But then he gets into even more bad jobs with the loan shark and then loses out for anything. What I will say, though, is Elizabeth Debicki, out of every person in this movie, is the only one that I felt got an entire, like, typical character arc in an entire movie. She was good in this. Yeah, she was really good. But I also think she got the biggest chance to show change. Nobody else really changed all that much. I mean, Viola right. Davis, she doesn't change from the moment you find out that Liam Neeson dies until the end. She's just always kind of strong. And Michelle right. Rodriguez doesn't really change. Um, who am I missing? Uh, I don't know, who's the fourth widow? Well, they brought in Cynthia. Yeah, that's right. But she wasn't really. And the other one we hardly ever saw. Right. So Elizabeth Debicki, though, you see her, you know, before her husband dies and she's getting beat on and then she's still kind of cowardly. And then she figures out how to go buy vans at an auction and buy guns and manipulate people and builds her confidence. Yeah. yeah. And she gets shot in the end and overcomes. So she's the only one I felt that like if you took a look at any did any kind of character study on the movie, she's the only one that starts out somewhere goes through challenges and comes out the other side, a changed person. Everybody else, they might move a little bit, but not like her. And, and so I think you you get the impression that she did a great job, and I do think she did a great job, but the story helped it. Yeah, I think, yeah, the rest of them just dealt with stuff, but they were still the same, just yeah. like you mentioned. Yep. And, see, and my my first reaction to this trailer, and you and I talked about it, is my immediate reaction is they're not dead. Yeah. You know, uh, I go, this is, I hope that they're dead. But the husbands aren't dead. Like this is a a big thing and and a big ruse. And then you're gonna see the husbands at the end. Oh, there's the twist. And I didn't have very high expectations for this at all. Um, I just didn't think that there was gonna be much different that we've seen. And the twist, don't the the twist that we're gonna get is the one that's pretty predictable. And so, and and really, that's kind of what we got. Yeah. Um. Liam survived. He betrayed the rest of the guys, which is weird. Um, I still feel like that's weird. Why wouldn't you just bring in the other guys as well? Um, because he works with this crew all the time, I guess, and he's a mastermind. And uh, yeah, other than the guy, he's sleeping with his wife. <laughs> right. I, I thought, yeah, the same thing. I thought that Liam's motivations for what he was doing were, were not very clear. 
and I thought his plan for how he wanted it to go down was not very clear too. And then I was also confused by the fact that once his wife, Viola Davis, decides to do the heist, because later on when he confronts her, he says something like, if you had just sold the book, everything would have been fine. His notebook with the plans and everything. But like, you had no way of intervening in between now and then. You just had to kind of let it happen. And then you were going to... The conversation on the boat, you know, he's he's stealing money from Brian Tyree Henry to help pay Colin Farrell. That's also supposed to hurt Brian Tyree Henry's campaign. There was Wait, a, so I didn't, I didn't get why he was paying Colin Farrell. I thought Colin Farrell hired him to steal the money so they couldn't run the campaign. Yes, but then something happened where Colin Farrell said, Liam Neeson said the money burnt up somehow, and some, part of the money burnt up. And that meant that he was on the hook for some money still to Colin Farrell, I believe. Yeah, see, I didn't get any, I didn't get any of that part. I, as soon as I saw them on the boat, I'm like, okay, now they're working together. And right. This is like, and then, so I kind of checked out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I thought he was just stealing the money for that other campaign. You know, that what, $2 million? There was something. The, the campaign needed to beat him in the, a job he didn't even want to begin with. Right. There was something more going on to Liam Neeson's story in terms of why, to me, it felt like his motivations weren't clear and his plan for how he wanted the larger plan to go, which is, you know, Viola Davis, he he sneaks off with the driver's wife because he's now got a kid with her. And it just seemed very flimsy. And when you had mentioned that you thought that they were alive, I actually, my comment back to you was, I don't think this is going to be that kind of movie. Yeah. I didn't want a twist. I didn't expect a twist. I just thought we were going to get a good, solid, straightforward movie that was just very good at what it did and didn't try and twist or do anything like that. So when Liam was revealed to still be alive, I was like, oh man, yeah. I did not want it to go that way. And giant letdown, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, I don't think it needed to do that. I don't think so either. Did it, in in what way did it make this movie better? Because she still was going to do the heist regardless of whether he was there or not. The only thing that even I think remotely comes into play because he came back is that he confronts her in the end after they successfully do the heist and she shoots him. But I don't, that is not enough of a reason to bring him back. You you could have still had him cheat on her, right, and had the baby, but left him dead, right, and she still would have done the heist. You know, everything else would have gone along, you know, the same way. You still could even had uh, Colin Farrell uh, hire them, right, you know, to do the heist, yeah, you know, and maybe he approaches them later of that was my money to begin with, or that was the plan, yeah, you know, but you all died, right. Um, yeah, you didn't you didn't need that at all. No, I completely agree. And and the weirder thing about all of that is that I I found it really weird, and it made sense later, but I found it really weird when she's recruiting all the widows. She goes to Elizabeth Debicki, and she goes to Michelle Rodriguez, and she's like, you guys have to do this, because if I don't give them money, you're on the hook, and they're going to come after you and kill you and your kids and your family or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then when she goes and talks to the lady who ends up being the one that Liam Neeson cheated on and has a kid with, she like lets her off the hook after two seconds. She's like, "Well, I've got a four month old baby." She's like, "Oh, okay, fine. We'll just we'll, I'll walk off." I feel like it was the baby that did it, but well, and I know but Michelle Rodriguez has I, kids. That I know are, she I know she has two kids, but she never she never saw the kids, and so that that's the only thing that's going through my mind is you know it made it real that there's a baby here. Possibly. So uh, again, but, I, I had the same but sa- I think same thought, but it's like maybe it's just the baby, and she doesn't care about. I. Kids. I think you could, you can make that case, sure. 
I tend to think, and this is part of the reason why it annoys me a little bit more, I tend to think that it was a matter of convenience, right? Mm-hmm. They wrote that out of pure convenience because we want to do this reveal later. And if she's a part of the gang now, then maybe we'd find that out beforehand. I, I don't know. Even though I actually think it would have been probably better had she been recruited into the gang and then somehow during all of the prep for the heist or whatever, it gets found out. So right. that that's kind of where I felt like when I mentioned something being tight earlier and then you do something like that, you're like, oh, come on. For, I mean, you had the Liam reveal and then you have she was conveniently not a part of the heist just so you could do this later. That's where I started to feel like the tightness of the movie that I was expecting was, was not there. Yeah. And, and even, uh, uh, Colin Farrell, I, to be honest, I, I love him as a politician. Oh yeah. He was good. You you put him in another movie as a politician deal. Yeah. Uh, Sign me up for that. Oh, they did a great job. And then, but he didn't want, he didn't want it. You know, he didn't want to be, to win right. this election. He wanted to go do something else completely. And but Robert Duvall, his dad in the movie, he seemed like he wanted to do it. He wanted to win at all costs. Right. So I feel like a meeting with him and Liam would have made more sense. True. You know than than Colin Farrell because he, he didn't even want it. Well, why would you risk going to jail for a job you don't even want? Yeah. You know. So that that didn't make a whole lot of sense. No. And so it was more of a gosh, this could have been just just tweaked to where it it fit better yeah. because again, it's just so convoluted. I, I thought, and it went, it ended up being the same stereotypical endings of, of movies like this. Of you, ha- you have the reveal. Oh, he's not dead all along. He's the mastermind. And uh, uh, everybody that we've seen have, plays a part you yeah. know, in, in this. It's like, this is, it, it, it kind of annoyed me. And then, but even with Liam, they tried to make you sympathetic to him at the same time as he's revealed as the bad guy. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what you're trying to make me feel like for, or you're trying to make me understand why he was cheating on his wife and killed his partners and was right. going to leave. Or, you know, I just, I just don't know. Like you're trying to paint him to be the villain, but then not the villain at the same, almost literally the same reveal. Yeah. I think they were just trying to get at why, basically his whole reason for doing what he was doing is that his son had died with Viola Davis and his, their relationship had never been the same ever since then. And they had fallen apart, which was his reason for going and having a baby with this other person, which is part of the reason why he wants to just fake his death and get out of here and leave Viola Davis where she's at. So I think it's supposed to show you his motivation. Now, whether you feel more sorry for him or not, I mean, that's up for, that's up for debate. I didn't really feel sympathetic for him i i don't i could see why people would because it's just something that happens but you kind of don't really feel sympathetic for robbers anyways right well i mean when he's on the phone with his son as he's getting shot to death i mean you feel it's like okay you you feel bad for this well, guy sure yeah. but in the in the same context though he's always been a thief and always been a robber and yeah you do feel a little bit bad for him but i think it's just supposed to Really, it's probably there to give you more of a clue about Viola Davis than Liam Neeson. But, you know, since they were married. I feel like it was just revealed at the same time. And so had they put those together, either put that piece of his son and how he died earlier, um, that could have helped uh, separate the two. But like before, before you even revealed that he was alive, you know, and so you had sympathy for him, and then it goes away, and you realize he's 
he's faking all this and right. leaving her in the dust. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I just think that the, the timing on all that was weird. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I, the movie was not perfect for me, but by, by any stretch of the imagination, the one thing it did do because you and I complain about this a lot. And I think it's it's both of our pet peeves a little bit is when movies drag out the inevitable. So I was thrilled that the death of all the husbands happened essentially in the first five opening minutes. Scene, like, yeah. I mean, if there was opening credits, it would have been in the opening credits. <laughs> right. So I remember thinking to myself, okay, awesome. Now, because everything, we already knew this was happening. We didn't get to the widows. We, yeah. yeah, we knew this was central to the plot. We've already seen it in the trailer. So just show it to me. And so that's where I was like, okay, off to a good start. We're not going to have the husbands die 45 minutes into the movie. They're dying right off the bat, and then we can go. Yeah, and I think, uh, so my mind was going two ways of, as soon as they they did that, it's like, why would you cast Liam Neeson if you're just going to kill him off and barely show him at all and go, okay, is this just going to be lots of flashbacks of their relationship together, or he's not dead? Yeah, you know. And so they started showing some flashbacks. I'm like, okay, I'm okay with this. Maybe they won't bring him back and be because. But even the Punisher, John Bernthal, John, I said, I said <laughs> yeah. Josh, and I was like, that's not right. Yeah, uh, he they cast him for thirty seconds. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, it's, a, a, it's his thing. I'm telling you. So it's I, was like, I was like, no way they're going to kill them off, but they did. I guess he's still not, not an A-lister yet. Sean Bean 2.0. Sean Dude's <laughs> dying and everything he's in. So what were your thoughts on the fact that, I guess maybe going into this, we felt like it was a heist movie? And very not a heist movie. Right. So what were your thoughts on that? Because I think that there's Thoroughly be, disappointing. Right. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are disappointed by it. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who feel like it's a new take on a heist movie in the sense that a, a typical heist movie, I mean, whether you want to call them the oceans movies or heat or anything like that, they, they tend to follow a, a typical thing where the heist is really central to everything. And in this, I feel like this took the heist movie and said, Nope, we're going to give you a basically a crime drama instead with, and this is where I think people could get really pissed off about it is I felt like the heist in the notebook was like a MacGuffin through the whole thing. It it was just a reason to keep the events moving forward. It wasn't really central to anything. So I think people that expected the heist movie were in for a rude awakening. And then you had to really process, did you like what you got in place of it? Yeah, they essentially went upstairs and took the money out. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. Like, that was the heist. They right. just had to do it at night. Well, and that's the funny thing, too. I mean, it's a total smash and grab. It's yeah. not a heist. <laughs> and then on top of that, like, to your point, um, you know, Liam Neeson had all these plans and all this stuff that had... I mean, some of it had to be done, right? Like, they had to get right. the security code from the guy. But I, I almost think... I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with a smash and grab. And I don't even really have a problem with the fact that I got a non-heist movie, but... I guess, so do you, did you have a problem with it, the fact that it, it was more crime drama than heist? Well, I did because, so they're training as if this is a heist. Yeah. They're filling up boxes of dirt to match the weight in bags, which seemingly took a long time because they were sick of doing it. It's <laughs> right. like there's an easier way to get to, you know, 55 pounds or, or 100 pounds, whatever she's carrying. Yeah. You're like, okay, this thing weighs 100 pounds. I can put it on your back and have her run to the truck, you know. And then you'd put the not runner in the, like, why wouldn't you put the yeah. sprinter and the strong one? 
carrying the money. Anyway. She was the driver, that's why. She was specifically hired to be the driver. Yeah. Well, somebody else could drive if they can't carry the bags of money. But that's besides the They point. would have to rewritten the whole thing. <laughs> and so rewritten the yeah, the the entire plan. Well, I mean, they would have had to have rewritten how and why Cynthia Erivo came to be because they are specifically looking for a driver when they recruit her. Right. Yeah. But you have all four of them there. Yes. And Michelle Rodriguez can't get it to the van. And so uh, I'm assuming. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's beside the point. But they're doing all this prep work for it. And you think okay, they have all these little cans of dirt, mm-hmm. you know, Tupperware. Tupperware of dirt to mimic the weight and size of the money. I was like, okay, is there going to be some sort of switch? Did, uh, did when they lost the money, when the guy was waiting for him outside, and he takes it and is like, okay, did they just fool him and did they swap him out somehow? Yeah. Um, you know, waiting for some sort of, you know, you were smart about this. You know, this was planned already. You know, whether they were smart or Liam was smart or Liam was expecting them to come out because she knew he was alive at that point. And so I was waiting for her little, you know, uh, F you to, to Liam, you know, if he was waiting to take their money from him, you know, cause he thought this is how it was going to go down. Yeah. And she does a little twist to, Oh, we knew you thought that, but yeah, I got nothing, you know, they, they ran and they put it in the bag and then they left, you know, Robert Duvall got shot in the midst of it, which doesn't seem to matter. Cause they never come back to him being killed. They say it at the end, but no, that's the reason why Colin Farrell ends up winning the election. Oh, because his dad got killed. Yeah, they said that the uh, sympathy Colin, vote. The sympathy vote. Yeah. yeah, but that doesn't matter whether he wins or loses. Anyway. Uh, no, I mean, it, it, but, there's no major outcome for yeah. that, other yeah. than it's closing up a plot that was presented through the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Who won the election? Yeah, yeah. But it just seems so wasted because they're prepping all this and nothing happened. Yeah, and I I get that, but I also felt like that was the only way the movie could go because it would have been totally unbelievable to have these people who have no heist experience ever being able to magically pull off some elaborate heist. So the fact that it was kind of just a basic smash and grab where you just need to get into the house, enter the code that you got and get the money and get out. That made sense to me because if it had been a mission impossible or oceans eight type thing, I would have been uh, like, come on, you suspending can't from that. the ceiling or anything. Well, yeah. Right. Oh. But I mean, in the context of this movie, how, there's just not much you could expect for widows who've never done anything like that, who had never fired a gun. Because, I mean, this is all the stuff that we're establishing and that they've established in the beginning of the movie, which is they, none of them are in lives of crime. They don't do this stuff. They don't know how to right. buy a van. They don't know how to shoot a gun. So to then get to the point where at the end of the movie they're able to do something crazy elaborate like hacking cameras or anything that we typically see in heist movies. Oh, you know I hate hacking, so right. I don't want that. So <laughs> it made I, I get that it was a little bit of a letdown because it's not a major heist, but I also don't think that anything else was realistic in the context of the movie. So I, I was fine with it. I just wanted their touch on the heist. So they had the plans for Liam's heist. But I wanted them to have to add their little tweak to it that they did it themselves. So Viola, you know, becoming sort of a a mastermind in her own right because she knows again he's alive. Yeah, I just just wanted her to have some little touch to make it seem like you know she's on it. Sure. Yeah, I I so, could see that. But instead, it's straightforward and kind of boring. So the only other thing I have, like plot wise, and this goes back to the whole doing things generically that I didn't think this movie would do is 
one they had Liam Neeson come back, which we already talked about, but then when they confront each other at the end, <laughs> and it's the worst, yeah, I mean, how I don't understand how somebody who has won an Academy Award like Steve McQueen and who has all the uh, the writer of uh, Gillian Flynn has written all these books that have turned into movies that have been great, and you come up with the Liam Neeson Viola Davis standoff where the gun goes off and we're not supposed to know who shot who. Which one got shot? Yeah, I mean, at least if <laughs> if if you're these this caliber of writer and director, if you do that, then it should have been he shot Viola Davis. Right. Like if you're going to do anything because otherwise the 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 gun going off and oh my god, who got shot and then Liam drops to his knees like that's that's so generic. It, it was bad. Yeah. That, so I I actually groaned more at that than Liam coming back because Liam coming back, I was like, fine, whatever. I didn't want that to happen, but okay. But then you do something. I know it seems trivial to, <laughs> to get mad about a who shot who scenario, but it's so overdone yeah. in every movie ever made that <laughs> you should just know better than that. But which one got stabbed with the knife? You yeah. know, when, the, when the they're stand on top off, of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, which one shot when the gun yeah, went off? <laughs> it's the biggest faux pas. So you don't expect a movie of this caliber to really do that. Um, so, okay, so we touched on all the cast. So I'll ask you who who stood out to you in terms of the cast. Uh, Colin Farrell stood okay. out to me, and then uh, uh, Debicki. Yeah, uh, those two were my my standouts. I agree. Did you? What did you think about everybody else? Did you think anybody was bad? Did you think? Any... I don't think anybody was bad. Okay, I, I really don't. Uh, I thought everybody was. Yeah, everybody was good. Uh, but I didn't think anybody stood out. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, like even Michelle Rodriguez was was all right. The for, one thing I'll give her though is she was not the gun toting. Yeah, she was not Latina <laughs> Heat, right? Yeah, she, which is what she is in every movie. She was not the tough person. She hadn't. I'm I, gonna start kickbox training and. Yeah. yeah, I assumed when they went to the gun range, she would be like already knowing how to shoot a gun, and she shoots all of them in the perfect target. Right. Well, in fact, we get the opposite, right? Because right. her and Elizabeth Debicki go to the gun range, and Michelle Rodriguez is all over the place, and Debicki's got them like pinned in on the main target yeah center mass yes yeah and she uh and then even the trailer of showing uh uh arrivo you know hitting a heavy bag yeah you know saying okay michelle's gonna get her her training (laughs) scene at some point but she doesn't do that at all yes so kudos to to whoever's idea it was to not to try to get her away from that typecast completely agree on that um so yeah i agree with you on colin farrell and michelle rodriguez viola davis I don't think there's any way I could even remotely say she's bad. She was really, really good, but I feel like she's, I don't know if typecast is the right word. She's always a super strong emotional force in every movie. And I felt like she did that in this movie. Right. I just, uh, okay. I'm just getting used to her, I think, which is unfair because I think she's really good. I just, if you've seen other Viola Davis movies, this is, this is what you get. Yeah. Nothing to complain about. No. Yeah. Just good, m- good, yes. Yes. Did she steal the show? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I think if I would say that anybody stole the show, it'd be between Elizabeth Debicki and Daniel Kaluuya, who I thought Kaluuya was incredible. I mean, he's not going to get any awards because I just don't think that's the kind of movie that does it. But every scene he's in where he's inflicting pain on people <laughs> is <laughs> is shot and done really well. And one of the things I love about it too is that he's not a big guy. When you think of drug enforcers and guys going you picture the bouncer guys right giant huge guys they'll just threaten to pound you and he's not he's actually shorter than almost everybody he threatens in this movie but his persona is just kind of crazy crazy yeah. without being crazy 
Yeah. And and I guess my I was always wondering what his role was in this movie. And so it, it kind of took me out of the cool stuff that he was doing, you know, the scene the scene in the gym, you know, in the bowling alley and all, and all that stuff. It's it these two political rival and then you're his brother and you're drug dealer. No, no, the both of the brothers were drug dealers. And then he's trying yeah, he was trying to get out and go into politics cuz that's where the real power yeah, is. Right. But his and, the reason why he had never been arrested or anything like that is cuz his brother handles everything, he, all the yeah. grimy stuff for him. And Really, I don't think he was necessary. Who? Uh, the brother, Brian Tyree Henry? Or Kalia? No, Kalia. I, I don't think he had really any um, I, I, I don't think so. this movie at all. I think that he was him and his brother. Because when Brian Tyree Henry actually goes and meets Viola Davis and is threatening the dog, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. a little bit intense. But yeah. I think, I so, think it's so just... You, a, so you just have him. Well, right. But I think he also knows that he can't get his hands dirty on everything. So you have Kaluuya applying a bunch of other pressure by going to the bowling alley and trying to hunt down the notebook. Because that's why he's there. He's trying to keep pressure and go find that notebook from Viola Davis. But the notebook didn't matter, and he didn't do anything other than steal the bag for 30 seconds before he died. Well, right. The, the notebook would have mattered, because if they had, if he had been able to get it off of Viola Davis beforehand, then obviously they couldn't do the heist, and those guys would have been able to figure out how to get their money back. Yeah, but couldn't that have been just Brian? I'm like, like I, I guess I don't. Him running for office and him trying to track down the stuff that keeps him from going to office, I think, would be more succinct. I just don't think that he, like, I thought he did a good job. I just, his whole, I don't think he affected anything whatsoever. Uh, I uh, mean, you especially could... because he stole the money and then they got it back immediately. Right. I mean, in the end, yeah, he, he takes the money and stuff, but I, I, you could, you could argue a ton of character. I mean, did Robert Duvall really need to be there? But you understood him you understood him him and Colin Farrell you know of why he wanted to win and Colin Farrell didn't which sure the, the, that type of father son he's losing the grasp on the city doesn't live in the city you know the the different type of well, thing right um i i got that i just felt like his you know you omit him i th- i think they had a couple cool scenes that they wanted to in the basketball court right. in, the, in the bowling alley that they wanted to keep in there sure and they didn't want the but they're the only real threat in the movie, right? The only reason you feel worried about what might happen to the widows if they don't succeed is because Kaluuya's after them, and he's off the bodyguard, and he's off their friend from the bowling alley, and you've seen what he'll do to anybody else. So, But they never see him. No, but that doesn't matter. But they, it, but they, they know of the brothers and who's going to come after them and that they're in trouble. But for the audience, if all you got was that scene where they threatened the dog, you'd be like, eh. But when you see these other Kaluuya scenes happening, you're like, okay, they okay. really have to get the heist done. Because otherwise you'd be like, okay, do they really have to do the heist? Why? I mean, I guess they threatened so. their dog. Okay. And how, I mean, because then it's not believable, too, that you would say that, oh, well, Brian Tyree Henry would go and kill one of the widows as he's running for alderman. Like, <laughs> he's not going to do that. Right. But, so if you had to pick, but I also didn't think he grabbed the dog and searched. <laughs> yeah, that, I I was actually kind of creeped out by that because like I thought he was gonna do something to the dog. Yeah, right there. Um, so which of your Kaluuya scenes were the favorite? The gym, the bowling alley, or I guess I'm guessing you would not say the the show the driver because you don't really see anything in that scene. 
Yeah, the well, the bowling alley is much better than the, the yeah. gym scene. I, I like the way the gym scene was filmed, how he makes the guy rap and he gets up in his face and the camera's spinning around and you're just like, oh my God, what's going to happen? But yeah, it can't quite compare to stabbing a paralyzed guy's legs and just <laughs> watching him ugh. writhe around. Yeah, the I mean, I think everybody knew that he was going to kill the guys rapping oh, yeah. in the gym. Yeah. And so that was just, you know, it, it was a cool scene, but predictable the bowling yeah. alley scene was like i don't know what he's gonna keep going or what's he gonna do to this guy yeah and can you feel that <laughs> stabbing his legs there and... was people cringing hard in yeah. our movie about yeah. that so, so that that was much better scene than yeah the basketball yeah court. um the other a few other things I, I it's so hard for me when a movie story-wise doesn't quite match up to like how it's how it's shot and there, there's so much of this movie that i liked in terms of messaging to like, you know, the widows being empowered and there's a lot of, um, like we talked about them before, there's a lot of takes on capitalism and, and race and police brutality. And, and I liked all of those. I just wish it came together better, but it's filmed so well. I don't, I don't know if you caught it, but one of my, one of my favorite scenes is when Colin Farrell's doing a terrible politician pop-up Cam- campaigning. Yeah, yeah. It's so bad. And I mean, it was filmed really well because it's so transparent. But the funny thing is, is that's what happens in real life. Oh, yeah. And it's such a real political moment. But then you look at it in your movie like, oh, that's so fake. But then we all fall for that. Or I shouldn't say fall for it, but we all let it happen in real life. But I love the way that was shot. And it, it took me a second to figure out what was happening. But after that event, he gets in his car, Colin Farrell does, and they start driving. And they're driving to his house. You don't know that yet but the camera stays fixed on the outside of the car for the whole time. And there's still dialogue going on, but the car is moving. I'm like, what are they doing? What? This is such a weird way to shoot a scene that who wants to stare at the outside of a car. But then I realized you follow the car in real time all the way until he gets to his house. But it's only like a four or five minute. I mean, movie wise, it's not even that. It's probably two or three minutes. Yeah, in the, the, whole, the house that he owns in the ward. Right, yeah. in his house. So he, the the event that he had was in this like poor, rundown inner city area. And two or three minutes away, his house is this nice, opulent house in a neighborhood that you would never picture being that close. And then it hit me why the director did that was so that, you know, if you filmed it from inside the car, you lose perception of time, right? You don't understand how long the car ride went. Because if they cut and stuff, you don't, you don't have an idea. But if you fixate the camera on the outside of the car as it drives from one location to the other, you have the realization that, okay, we just watched this in real time. He lives in this huge million dollar house. That's three minutes from poor inner city. Mm, no. What? His house. Yeah. Yes. The scene takes it to the house that he owns in the war, yeah. but that's not where he lives. Well, okay. That's where his, I, that's, that's where his, where his campaign, campaign is right now. Yeah. Right. Cause he yeah. says that he has a house. Well, he goes, you don't even live here. You know, and the show's it, his it's, huge it's, house. It's his that's, house. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Technically he, well, but we say he doesn't live there, but Robert Duvall's there overnight. He, he which is weird. Well, right. But what I'm saying is I think but, yeah. it's their house and they do live in it, but it may not be their main house. It's a family well, that has several houses, but they have to keep that one there because. They yeah. Cause to... they show him in his house, which is stupid. Right. With the, yeah. the one with the painting or whatever. Yeah. 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 So yeah. $30,000 painting. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was a really well shot scene. I, and I think that's a great example of how you can get across a message without 
saying it. I mean, because you could easily say, well, I would live in a house two minutes away that is $3 million and they live in the ghetto. But instead, you get this really cool shot that tells you that and it without, drives it without right saying there. it. Right. Yeah. And then I did love the filming of the, the heist in the beginning. Uh, they keep the camera in the van. So once the guys all pile into the van. Uh, the opening scene. Yeah, the opening yeah. scene. It's all shot from Liam Neeson's perspective if he's turning around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which you normally don't get that. You know, you get the cars ramp. So like we did see police cars ramp up and flip over three times. And you normally get it from this you know action camera point of view. But you got it solely from the Inside van the point van, of view, which yeah. I thought was cool. So there, there's stuff like that that makes it. It's a very, very well-constructed movie. I think it just had a lot of messages that it wanted to get out. And when you do that and you don't find a way to bring it back together or do it coherently, it feels kind of loose. Yeah. And it's just trying to stuff too much much in there and things get lost. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to like, I don't know, was it the story that drove this? Did they want to do an ensemble movie? You know, what was the real driver for this? And I don't know, but... Yeah, there was a way to tighten it up, and I feel like it didn't quite do that. And that, that was the most disappointing to me, but I still feel like it's a good movie. And it's got a lot of things that I really like in it. It's definitely one of those, that I think, for me, I need a second viewing of because I didn't know what to expect going into it. And I, I honestly can't really gauge how I felt like I reacted to it overly in terms of expecting a heist movie or not. So I want to see it again. Um uh, so it's a good movie. I was probably a little disappointed in terms of what I was expecting, but not overly disappointed. Yeah, I I got what I was expecting, which I didn't have very high high expectations for it. Yeah, um, but it kind of hit what I thought it was going to be. Unfortunately, I was hoping to be surprised. Uh, you mentioned the writer was the same as as Gone Girl and with Sharp Objects and and those mm-hmm. other. Yep. Uh, and so that that kind of get us. It's like, okay, this is what I see from the trailer, and this is what I think is going to happen. And so I'm cautiously optimistic, yeah, uh, hoping that they're going to prove me wrong, and, and it didn't. I, I have to imagine it was written better than what we saw. I, I think it was probably, I think it was written well and filmed well. I just think that maybe the ambition got to be too much. They wanted to tackle too many things. And sometimes when you do, when you're really good at a bunch of things, you're not great at one thing. And that's what I feel like this movie was missing. So I, in no way is this a bad movie for me. It's just, it, it didn't get into great territory for me. So having said that, let's dive into uh, our last little little questions and ratings. Our questions. All right. So what did you end up rating it? I give it a 3.5. Um, I still really enjoyed it. It's very well made, very well written. I mean, we, we've been talking through it. I think all my reasons are pretty clear. I do think there's going to be a lot of people that don't like it because they want a heist movie and they didn't get it, or they may not be as open to some of the crime drama plus social commentary stuff. You you never know how people are going to take that. And I I don't think Widow's trailers or promotions was really giving you a sense of that. So I think there's going to be some people that walk into it and think, well, I don't want to be talked to about inner city politics and class warfare and all this stuff, and I wanted a heist movie. And so those people are going to really negatively react the other way. And I think there's going to be some people that are, pleasantly surprised at a maybe different take on a heist movie so i think i think this movie is going to be divisive in some ways but i kind of probably land firmly in the middle when i'm i'm there too uh, but i'm at a three uh it's a slightly above average movie everybody acts well you know we, we talked about that i think there's some some well shot scenes so it's not demoting anything on that side it's just the way that it, the story is told and Again, the 
stereotypical ending and yeah. everything they did there really let me down. Yeah, they probably could have saved themselves with the ending a little bit if they hadn't done the the Liam Neeson double shot thing. Or and even actually we didn't touch on this but I, I thought Kaluya kinda went out lame. Yeah. I mean, car wreck. Yeah, he's this really intimidating guy who's creating all sorts of havoc in these scenes that we see and they they nudged his van and he hit a divider and was out. Like that's not how you want to see the big bad go out. Right. Right. Yeah, it almost would have been better if they had confronted Kaluya in the house instead of and Robert, Robert Duvall. Duvall. Yeah. And I'm not sure how they would have gotten out of it, but the setup for that seems better. Same way. I mean, he could get she could shot him. Sure. Yeah, I just don't feel like he would have I mean, it's different taking down a 90-year-old Robert Duvall versus <laughs> a, an insane Daniel Kaluuya. You probably got to write something a little bit better yeah. than, than that. All right, so and, what would, Oh, go ahead. And on that, when he robs him coming out of the house, why was he by himself? I don't know. He's always he, by he, himself. <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, I guess he was in the bowling alley, but yeah, before I, he, I felt like he had his his crew around him. Yeah, I guess, I guess he was by himself in the bowling alley. Okay, so I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll retract that. All right. So, what was your favorite moment? Um, I didn't really have a strong favorite moment. Um, I remember liking Colin Farrell when he was going back and forth with Robert Duvall. Uh, there's a couple of scenes where they do that, and I just remember thinking, God, Colin Farrell's really good right now. I didn't. I don't remember thinking that this was one of Duvall's best. Sometimes I feel like he's an overactor at at times. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't always be Days of Thunder, yeah. Robert Duvall. <laughs> well, even then, I feel like he's overacting at some point. But I think that's just how he talks. Yeah. You know, he comes across. But I there there was a couple scenes with those two that I just thought were done really well. Yeah. I I like the one where Colin Farrell just basically tells him he wishes he was dead. Yeah, in the office. Yeah, yeah, that that's the one that 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 sticks with me. Right, but then it's kind of funny because, like a minute later, they just move on about their business. He's like, "Well, now that you got that out of the way, let's figure out how to how to win this election." Yeah, and one might think that's not the first time they've had said yeah. said conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. So, uh, so what was your favorite part? Uh, the bowling alley scene that mm-hmm. was brutal. Yeah, and it just helped reinforce. I, I Kaluuya was my favorite person in the whole movie, and that that scene. Locked it in for me. I can see that. I can see that. So it was one thing you would change. Uh, the Neeson reveal. Just, it, it just how I, they did it or that they did it? Th- that they did it at all. Yeah. Because then it also gets rid of the double shoot at the end. So I get two birds with one stone <laughs> by getting Neeson out of the, out he's of the just, picture. He's just dead. Yeah, exactly. He's just dead. You? Um, I I agree with you there, but the heist. The, uh, I mean, if we're going for the the women empowerment that they can do the heist and pull us off. I just wanted her, her to have a touch on there. That was something clever. Something, Cause that, that's what you always want. You're like, ah, you know, you know, touche yeah. <laughs> versus just it did maybe exactly she how it wrote and it worked. Maybe and she could have used the dog somehow. Just <laughs> <laughs> something, you know, yeah. I mean, you had all these bags of dirt and just, that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I just thought something, just do something different. Right. You know, to, to fool Liam. I yeah. guess. But anyway, yeah, the heist was giant letdown. Random bit of trivia. Did you see Game Night? Yes. Did you know that that's the same dog? Because there's a... <laughs> you, you know, I, yeah, I read that somewhere. That's okay. the same dog. Yeah. Good. I uh, okay, so how <laughs> do we want to... <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for that. You know, hey, I have a lot of useless information in my head <laughs> that needs to get out somehow. I can't just keep that one in there when we're talking about the dog. <laughs> All right, so how are you telling people to see this? I would wait for this to come out. I'd watch it on the couch. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
and you. I'm guessing by, yeah, the, by I, the really you. You're I saying. mean, there's a lot of bad movies out there, and this is a three and a half star movie. There's probably not any, uh, you three know, star movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no real selling point as to why to see it in the theater, um, but I, I think it's worthy of a theater watch. Yeah, I, there were no takeaways from me that that would say you know spend your money to go see it. Yeah, my my main point is that it's it's better than I mean I've probably seen 60 movies in theaters this year or something like that and this is in the top half at least so uh, yeah, go go see it. That's otherwise I mean usually I have a stronger case for why to go see a movie <laughs> in theater but this is really just that there's a lot of crap that gets put out in theaters every year. This it's, is wor- it's better than the crap. This is this is worth the $9 <laughs> or whatever it is. Get right. Two views. Better <laughs> yeah. than crap. Yeah. <laughs> Better than half of everything else out there. So then, yes, I would obviously say to to pay for it, and you would obviously say to... I'd wait for, for, for it to be free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, popcorn movie, art house film. This is a par- popcorn movie. Yeah, it is. I, I agree with that. Uh, Oscar or Razzie? Uh, I went Razzie only because I couldn't think of anything Oscar worthy. Oh, that, that's pretty lame. I mean, what what in there is worth? Oh, I would I would give I would e- rather e- die on the hill of giving Kaluuya a supporting actor or Debicki supporting actress. It's it's competently shot. I mean, it, I don't think it's going to get best director. Competent isn't Oscar. No, but I mean, to me, I would rather. There's nothing about this movie that screams Razzie to me. So if I had, um, if somebody other came, than Liam's reveal and the well, the but shooting, but that ha- that's not that in and of itself isn't enough to give something like the worst, worst ending, of the worst award. Worst ending, no Razzie. I don't know what they give Razzies for actually. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a lot of the same acting categories and directing. But I guess the whole point of this that's quite, disappointing. I thought they'd have more fun with that. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't. I haven't really looked too hard into it. But I we guess should what, if we were going to have this as, as one of yeah. our questions. I guess what I'm saying though is that if if I was backed into a corner and I had to like, I'm a lawyer and I have to go defend this movie in court and say which of these is it getting? Am I giving it an Oscar? And here's why I'm giving it an Oscar. I think it's much more easy to defend and worthy of an Oscar than it is a Razzie. It's it, there's nothing about this movie that is like bad. Other than the plot. No, the plot's fine. The yeah. plot's fine. It just got too big. I mean, that's what I'm saying. My whole stance on this movie is it does a few things really solidly, and everything else is just kind of kind of good. So I'm not going to then turn around and say that I, I... I would say that this movie's some of the worst of the worst. I'd rather defend it from the Oscar viewpoint than defend why I would say that it's worse somehow than some of the other crap that's out there. Well, there's definitely crap out there, but... There's a lot better out there than what this sure. shows up. So I just don't think there's anything redeemable from a, even from an editing that you go to sometimes no, but, or a score. Well, or right. Even, but uh, but, but this even, is... even there's no, there's no performance in here that says, what? oh, wow. A oh, wow. There's well, there's some well, that are right. better than others, but there's no wow. That's a Oscar performance. You don't. Well, sometimes Oscar performances aren't the wows. Like the supporting actors and actresses get some of the the, the lesser screen time, but but to, it should still wow you. Yeah, but I thought Kaluuya was worthy uh, of a wow. I thought Debicki had a really good performance. I thought she was good. I really I really thought she was good, but I don't think it's best supporting actress good. I, I'm well in, in reality, no. But if we're forced into saying, are you going to give her a, give somebody a worse supporting actor from this movie, or a worse best actor, or a best? I, there's no way you should give anybody in this movie a worst. So if we're sticking to the main 
things that you talk about, which is acting and directing, essentially. I don't see how you could say this movie is in the worst of the worst for acting and directing. But it's not in the best of the best either. And if I have to pick one, then... That's bad. I don't agree with that at all. Then I'm going to go to confusing, weird plot and go... Confusing, predictable plot, and I'll go to the... It's not all that confusing. The only piece of the plot that is confusing is convoluted. Convoluted. I don't even think it's. I don't even think it's convoluted. I think it's. I. I totally understand what each person is doing in and of their own in their own little silo. It's where it's almost the fact that it's not even how it comes together. You know how the plot is supposed to be designed. Where Liam is paying Colin for something. Well, right. But I'm saying that that's the crux of the movie. We don't even know what it is. You actually probably don't even. All you need to know that the widows are going after the but money. But what but I'm saying there. is it doesn't come back in the sense that like they mash it together and it's convoluted. It's more of that they don't even really bring it back together. It's all these disparate plot points that are happening and they don't come back together. So it's mm-hmm. not like, I mean, so that. you give an Oscar to that? Well, I, no, I told you I would be giving Oscars for acting in this one. <laughs> I'm just saying Razzie is harsh for a movie that's of this caliber. So if you liked what, you'd like this movie. I picked The Town. I think The Town is better, but The Town feels right to me because you've got this band of guys. It, it feels more like The Town. I, I yeah. can give you that. Yeah. The Town is better. I, I yeah. will completely admit that, but it, it's it's a little bit more of crime drama and what's happening with each of the people that are a part of the town, like Renner and Affleck and Affleck's girlfriend and all that stuff. So you, you dive into that more deeply than you do what heist is they're trying to pull off well with heist movies i think that the heist is almost like the main character of the movie and you're just trying to fill that out whereas like the town and the widows the heist is just something that the main characters are doing and then you you learn more about the main characters and where they're coming from so the town felt like a good comparison gotcha what'd you what'd you say on that one i said if you liked oceans eight you would like this Oh, I a, don't think so at all. This, this is a better. <laughs> this is no a better. Way. This is a better movie than Ocean's Eight. Well, but you get the same components of what you're looking for there. Uh, no. The these are, there's almost nothing that's the same other than you have women pulling off a heist. And yeah. what we said is, Widows doesn't even have a heist. So really, what you're saying is, well, it's if you've seen Ocean's crime. Eight, their heist is not really even a heist either. But it's in the vein. I don't know, man. I don't see that at all. I I would not feel comfortable telling people that if they liked Ocean's Eight, they would like Widows, and I wouldn't feel comfortable saying the other way around either, because I don't think that applies the other way around either. Yeah, I feel like because Sandra Bullock acts the same. Yeah, I don't know about that one. No, no. I mean, it's a and the the, the tones are very very off. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> very different. Okay, so do you have anything else? Uh. No, but I felt like that was the angle okay. they were going with, and it was... I don't think they were going for that angle at all, Well, honestly. that's exactly what they were going for. No. I mean, if you're going to boil it down to it's women performing a, a crime act of some sort, then sure. Then because they they're... say it three times in the trailer, so that's what they're selling. Well, that's fine, but that's not what the movie is about. I mean, it, it's not... Other than that, other than the, the fact that it's women doing some kind of crime, there's nothing relatable between... Ocean's Eight and Widows. Yep, it's women. Women. <laughs> the most, pulling a heist. The most elementary breakdown of a movie <laughs> I've ever heard. Like I said, this is a better movie than Ocean's Eight. So if you like that, then get a good shot at liking this. <laughs> All right. Um, does that do it? For this I, I think we're done. 
All right, well, that does it for our episode on Widows. As usual, check us out at twoviewsmovies.com where you can find our spoiler-free written reviews. Go out to the podcast store, make sure and like us and subscribe to the podcast so that it downloads every time uh, we release a new episode automatically. You don't have to go chasing everything. And a little bit of interesting news, I am guest hosting a podcast called One Movie Punch. It's a daily podcast that releases a new review of a movie every day. I got the luxury of contributing Creed 2, and our Creed 2 podcast will be coming out uh, in, a few, in like a week or so, Yep, around there. But in the meantime, if you're interested to hear either of our thoughts, you can go to our site, twoviewsmovies.com, and read our reviews and thoughts on it. But you can also listen to me go talk Creed 2 on uh, One Movie Punch. So it's a good podcast if you like other movie podcasts, eight minutes really quick. Um, it's, it's a good guy. I've been working with him, so go check it out. I think that's it for us, though. I think we're done. I think we're done. We'll catch you next time.